Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Kingdom Driven Family Podcast with your host, Andrea Schwartz. This podcast will equip and empower you to help advance Christ's kingdom through God's primary institution, the family, building a home that serves Christ and His kingdom. This is Andrea Swartz, joined with my co-host, Nancy Wilk, and this is the February 5th edition of Homeschooling Help. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Andrea. How are you? Good, good. So today, our subject is prayer throughout the curriculum as part of this Curriculum Foundations series. And before we get to any comments you want to make, I have to read something that maybe you've heard in the past, but the first time I heard it, it made me chuckle. It says, Dear Lord, so far I've done all right. I haven't gossiped, haven't lost my temper, haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent. I'm really glad about that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed. And from then on, I'm going to need a lot more help. Well, I think that's probably the prayer of a lot of homeschooling moms. We have great plans. We wake up. Maybe we're rested. Now, that's not always the case with homeschooling moms but ready to face the day. And mm. the best of intentions sometimes fall apart, you know, by the time you're in the kitchen making breakfast or doing whatever. So prayer is an important part of life, not just homeschooling, but it's something that, it's not so much that it's overlooked. I think it's assumed without really looking at what it is and why it's vital. So I'll let you have your comments right off the bat here. Yeah, well, you know, um, when you said that we were going to, when when we decided to talk about prayer, you know, there's a lot of a, a lot of things that come to mind. You know, we, we know that we have listeners that come from lots of different backgrounds and even lots of different, um, you know, places in the country. But somebody might think of prayer and think of beads. Or, you know, like rosary beads or, you know, some sort of prayer beads. Some people might think of lighting candles. Some people might think of, you know, um, even um, a, a, a prayer language. Some people might have to think, okay, well, what about my posture? You know, I've got to kneel down or we got to stand in a circle and hold hands or, you know, I've got to have my hands raised and I might be crying. So, you know, I mean, prayer is just like all over the place when you start to think about associations, you know, what, a, what is prayer really? And, um, you know, so I think this is really an important thing. When I was, um, when I was a kid, I, the, I did not grow up in a Christian home. If we were Catholic, we went to, I went to Catholic school, but um, prayer was not something that happened in my house. It was an occasion for like Thanksgiving dinner or something. But I did have a friend and when I would spend the night with her, there would be a prayer. Okay. And it was now lay me down to sleep. I see. Okay. Well, it was a while before I saw that in a mother new mother goose nursery rhyme book. And I thought is prayer a nursery rhyme or is nursery rhymes prayers. Right. So this is really an important thing. And right. It's so important that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to do it. 
Exactly. So you've covered, I, I don't know that you left anything out in terms of the different <laughs> ways people can pray, at least under the banner of Christendom. Obviously, if you're talking outside of Christendom, there are other forms and whatever. I think the simplest way to look at prayer, and I think it's important to simplify it because it's really very simple. It's communication with God. Mm -hmm. God communicates to us by his word and his spirit. So his word is what's contained in the scripture. Mm -hmm. The spirit of God is how God communicates to us, you might say, in a very personal way. Right. The, the, not that the scripture isn't personal. It is personal. But you and I have different situations in our life. One of us might have an illness or a chronic condition or um, have illness in the family. So the spirit of God personally, through God's word, talks to us. Well, prayer is our part of that relationship. I think it was Dr. Rushduni in his section in his systematic theology on prayer that talked about one sentence prayers, prayers where you're in a situation that's, oh God, help me today, or help me, help me not lose my temper. It, it's mm -hmm. a it's a dialogue. And if you think about real relationships, when you have a marriage where people don't talk to each other anymore, that marriage is in trouble. Yeah. Why do people think they don't have to talk to God on a regular basis to maintain their relationship? And so in, in that sense, prayer is our talking to God about everything. And for the believer who understands that regeneration means that you go from a point where your heart of stone is softened and now the Holy Spirit lives within you, then we have the most personal of communications because the Bible tells us that God knows us better than we know ourselves. So now the spirit of God lives within us and whatever our wants and wishes are, God already knows them, but he wants us to communicate them. Yeah. In a way that is, is not just like um, a, a shopping list, you know, God, you know, I want this, I want this, I want this, you know, we're not telling God what to do, but it is, it's it's intimate it's it's in context and it's it's valuable right now there are some beautiful arrangements of prayers it comes to mind the book of common prayer beautiful eloquent well thought out prayers that reveal to us what our posture should be before god uh, another mm -hmm. book of puritan prayers the valley of vision Beautiful mm -hmm. prayers, prayers that when you read it, you're lifted up. And of course, the Bible contains a book of prayers called the mm -hmm. Psalms, which right. are probably the best form of prayer because God's words applied to us are used as communications to God. Mm -hmm. But those are more formal prayers, just like every time you address your husband or I address mine, it isn't like good husband Good morning this day. I want you to know how happy I am to be your wife. It's like, hey, how are you? Did you sleep well? So God allows for and wants all those kinds of prayers because if we're in communication to him or with him, then we're more likely to hear what he has to say. And that will include well done. That will include not so well done. That will include you need to change this or you misspoke or whatever it is. So it's a combination of 
being in the word and being in prayer. Right. When we do look at the um, at the scriptures and we see other um, other saints in the in the Bible talking to God, it's about all kinds of things. You know, God talked to David about how to wage war and he talked to um, Mary and Joseph about how to, you know, move the Jesus into a, a place that was safe. And he talked to Noah about building a boat. So there's all kinds of things that God talks to us about and that we can talk to him about. But, um, you know, there is something that, um, and, and when you look in Psalms, you can see some of these prayers are just, you know, really for, for safety and for wisdom and for, for whatever whatever the situation um, warrants the that person needed, and so including I, I repentance, that, including repentance, I've sinned. David has many psalms where he's, um, as my husband likes to say, calling down artillery on his own position. He's saying, "God, if I'm in violation of your law, please judge me," which is mm -hmm. another aspect of prayer. Mm -hmm. Well, there's two things that I want to make sure that we hit on, and I don't want to jump ahead of you, but I want to talk about, you know, first of all, there's two prayers that I think really stand out, and that is the Lord's Prayer and the Sinner's Prayer. So I, I want to make sure that we that we talk about those specifically, and, and not just the, um, you know, I, I, I stub my toe, let's kiss it. You know, when your kid comes and says, oh, I'm, I, I, skinned my knee that's an appropriate time to teach them to pray and ask the lord to you know heal their body and it or if there's a problem with their friend they can stop and ask god to to give them patience and to show loving kindness and those kinds of those kinds of things but right. but where okay those so you are jumping a little ahead of where i was going to go and i promise we'll cover those Okay. I think a fundamental aspect of prayer has this to do from scripture. He that turneth his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. Remember the first time I read that, I was like, wait a minute, we're supposed to pray. My prayer could be an abomination. Yeah. So the scripture is telling us that we have to approach God on his terms. Yeah. All right. So that's pretty that, serious. Yeah, he that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. So the law, which we've talked about and has been all the way through these discussions, you better be looking at the law, hearing the law and following the law if you wish to have your prayers heard. And here's a great example how I think a lot of people act with prayer. Let's have a scenario where a young man turning 16 says to his dad, dad, I think I should have a car. Would you give me a car? And his dad says, well, son, you really haven't been doing your schoolwork and you haven't been doing your chores around the house. And there's a lot of things that I've expected of you and I've told you I want. Some of them you do, but some of them you don't. And then there's a bunch of things that you do that you shouldn't do. And then the son comes back to the father and says, dad, could I have two cars? In other words, the father just told him how he hasn't met the requirements for something he wants. And instead of 
even listening, he says, I, I would like two of those. Give me more. So if we come to God and we have the laundry list, as you said, then really and truly, and we have not asked ourselves first, are we right with God? Have we done those things that are required of us? Mm -hmm. You see? So the Lord's Prayer, which, like I said, we'll get into uh, talking about, is about how Jesus said you approach God. And I do have a recommendation at the end of a book that I think is fundamentally important in terms of introducing this idea. But since this is homeschooling helps, right? Mm -hmm. So how right. does prayer factor into the curriculum? Well, number one, the decision to homeschool should be a prayerful one, which would include, I'm scared to death. I'm not qualified. It might cost us money. What if somebody decides to challenge us? But this is part and parcel of talking to God and letting all your wants and wishes known. And then, of course, going to the word and hearing God say, I'll never leave you or forsake you or ever let you go. If God, if I'm for you, who can be against you? You see, these are the kinds of things that will make sense to you more to the degree that you've poured it out. Well, how about choosing curriculum? How about what's the right books to use? Again, a subject and a matter of prayer. As a result of that prayer, God might instill in you, well, why don't you talk to people who've done this for a while? Why don't you call up homeschool associations and find out what they recommend? Again, you're trying to be obedient to God. God is your primary audience, not the school superintendent who might decide he doesn't like the fact that he's going to give up $8,000 a year because your child isn't in his school. We have to be much more concerned with obeying God than we are fearing man. Yeah. How about outsourcing? I don't know about you, but I couldn't teach my children everything I wanted them to know. I wanted them to learn how to play the piano. I don't know how to play the piano. Right. So I had to prayerfully consider which of all these potential teachers would I use, mm -hmm. right? And then how about the activities that you'll have your kids be part of? Should they be part of a youth group? What would be the benefit? How would it honor God? Should they part, be part of a sports team? Who's going to be the coach? Are you going to leave them there by themselves? You see, I can't imagine doing much of anything without prayerfully asking God for direction. And I think that's the most important aspect of prayer through the curriculum, more so than just, okay, we're about to study history. Lord, help us have a fruitful day at school. Do that, just like you should pray before meals. But your prayer life regarding this very important activity is basically saying, I'm acknowledging I'm not doing this alone. And please don't make me do this alone. <laughs> I think that one one thing that we need to consider. It, you said that if we do not, if we turn a deaf ear to God's law, that our prayers are an abomination. And so, a lot of people might hear that and say, "Well, I don't know anything about God's law." That sounds kind of legalistic. If if you don't know what what um, God's law requires, if you don't think about that biblically, then you can hear that word and think that it's just another pile of law of rules and if we're just putting a pile of rules on then that is legalism and that's not just justice that's not um under the authority of god and so we we can easily say well i prayed about it so we're as if that's we're good to proceed 
instead of waiting for an answer or asking him for something that he's already said no about. You know, if we don't know his law, then we then we sin if we proceed contrary to it. So right. well, we sin anyway, even if in other words, someone who's never read the Bible and never had any sort of interaction with other people still has how God made him so that he knows right and wrong. The Bible makes it clear. Everybody knows. Right. And those who know and disobey and remain in disobedience suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So there's no one, as the Bible said, without excuse. But let's talk about this legalism thing. <laughs> Are we actually saying that God has no right to have rules? Are we actually saying that God has no right to make demands on our lives? If you're going to maintain that, then you've just made yourself sort of equal with God. And yeah. that, if we say, he who turns away his ear from hearing the law, when Jesus gave the two greatest commandments, actually, he the answer was, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, oh, there are two. So he, he basically corrected the questioner by saying there's actually two. There's one that's the major one, and then the mm -hmm. second one is like it. So God mm -hmm. just made that requirement mm -hmm. to love him with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength and your whole being. Right. Well, if you think that's legalistic, well, okay. Sounds to me like God's being God. Yeah. So it's like the accusations of racism or, you know, feminism or sexism or this or ism. There's always an ism. And all mm -hmm. those people want to reserve for themselves the right to determine for themselves right and wrong. Well, that is the sin of Genesis 3, 5. So, mm -hmm. but I guess what, God is telling us in that passage of scripture is folks, this is on my terms. And I love you enough that because you're sinners, I sent my son to die for you, but please stop telling me what to do. Stop asking for the second car when I've made it abundantly clear to you that you haven't fulfilled the requirements just to live here, let alone to have a first car. Yeah, we haven't done the first thing that he's told us to do, much less the second or third and fourth. So don't keep asking if you haven't or if you're not already doing what he's already told us to do. Right. It's like the kid in the car, you know, he might want the car, but he's not being responsible at home. And why do we expect that he's going to be able to get in a car and obey the rules of the road? We can't if he's not demonstrated himself trustworthy in those ways. So right. The, the prayer that parable to interrupt that parable of the talents in mm -hmm. each case, the parable talks about distributing according to capabilities. For some reason, one got more than another and one got a very little amount. Well, maybe the master in that parable said the guy, you know, who buried the talent, you know, I'm not going to give him too much because he's got to prove himself. And mostly when we prove ourselves, we prove ourselves to ourselves. Right. God already knows. Right. Mm -hmm. So if I've given you a little bit and you've done something with a little bit, well, then I can give you more. So mm -hmm. in my analogy of the young man who wants a car, you know, nowadays cars cost a lot of money. Even the cheapest of cars, you're going to shell out a couple of thousand dollars. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, how presumptuous to ask for something when you have failed to do that, which you should do, or you do things that you shouldn't do. So right. how does this come back to 
homeschooling and Christians. Well, let me say this. I would be very concerned about standing before the living God and having turned my children over to be educated by people who hate God or people who will blaspheme him on a regular basis or even those closet Christians who show up there as missionaries, you know, all the, well, we've got to send our children to be salt and light. I'd like to know how many of those salt and light advocates in public schools actually show up, work in the classroom and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with all those children and teachers. I would virtually say none of them because what they would tell you is, well, we're not allowed to talk about that. Oh, gee. So tell me how that reconciles with Deuteronomy 6 from the time they wake up till the time they go to sleep, they should be instructed in the in the ways of the Lord. See, That's it's right. disingenuous. And unfortunately for many, they're going to encounter the dreaded words in scripture that say, I never knew you. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So our prayer needs to be really a um, it, it is is foundational. And that's how those are those are those are the evidences. What we're talking to God about shows where our heart is. You know, if our prayers are just, uh, you know, God bless Uncle Johnny and Aunt Libby and Susie Q and and you know just just those kind of things and not the not the stuff that is, you know, heart wrenching and mind, um, you know requires thought and evidence of our um, repentance and ongoing sanctification. Those are the things that we need to be praying about. Not, not so much just the, the things that are on the, on the surface that are, you know, nice and nice and neat and tidy. Exactly. I've recently engaged in some threads on social media talking about, oh, everybody should homeschool or send their children to Christian school, which if you're Christians, I certainly advocate for that. And other people saying, well, we can't afford it. Don't judge me back and forth. Well, when you come to look at what it is God requires of us, if we say, if God requires of us, it's going to be easy. Homeschooling is not easy. It's not easy for the person who does it. It's not easy for the person who receives it. It's not easy for the persons who, you know, come up with curriculum. But where did we ever get the idea that it's supposed to be easy? Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me. Well, anybody who's a veteran homeschool mom knows exactly what that means. <laughs> yeah. But she's picking up her cross in her family with regards to her children, those who are agreeable, but aren't necessarily learning as fast as she would like, or those who are very smart, but don't listen to a word she says. In other words, homeschooling is viewing the fact that a sovereign God predestined these children to be in your household. You are predestined to be their parents. And as a result of that, we're basically saying, okay, Lord, what are my marching orders? As opposed to, you know, this is very uncomfortable. I don't think I want to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the um, the things that he's called us to, um, you mentioned um, taking up our cross. He also tells us um, 
to, he gives the um, example of laborers in the field. We shouldn't expect those things to be um, cupcake parties, you know? And so, so uh, one of the things that I just, I think that homeschooling is such a blessing is because it permits the whole family now to begin to think and develop a worldview in terms of of what God's requ God's requirement of us, and not just bringing the academics home. If if we just you know limit it to those kind of things, that's why this is a whole conversation is so important. It's not just the academics at home, but the whole family developing that biblical worldview, um, knowing God, and declaring His faithfulness to the next generation. And um, that's our that's our calling. In, in so many places, we have this mistaken idea that we can go disciple somebody else's children, but fail to disciple our own. And and in so many ways, we're not even a disciple of Christ ourselves if we won't go to His Word and hear what He says and learn to rightly divide His Word and um, and walk in paths of righteousness and no just judgments. Exactly. I'm going to get excited, Andre. Excuse me. I see. No, no, no. That's good. That's good. We should. I, and I hope that people understand that this is not, you know, a facade that we're like, we have to get excited. But we both are because we've been there and done that. And we see. It's so worth it. It's hard work, but it is so worth it. Right. And even and, when it's not, even when you don't get the results you think you want, you know, it is about us being faithful to God's call in our life. Right. Um, being faithful as a, I mean, we're supposed to be fruitful, but God determines the outcomes, which brings me to the last point I wanted to make in terms of prayer in the curriculum. And it sort of ties in with that funny little prayer at the beginning. Um, I'll be quiet. <laughs> no, it's okay. We start off having great hopes and dreams. Today's going to be a good day for homeschool. We're going to do this and that. And then what happens? The dishwasher breaks, the pipeline breaks, and now we have water all over the place. Well, first and foremost, day schools have that problem. In California, there's some parts of California, believe it or not, that are having snow days because it snowed, right? So they can't go to school. Well, the homeschool mom should realize you're going to have your equivalent of snow days. Sometimes okay. they're broken dishwasher days or, you know, any number of things. So Baby's cutting teeth, right? Yeah. Little baby's cutting the teeth, whatever it is. It's okay exactly. to have things. You're right. Or, or have let's make them a little older than babies. You know, okay. some hormonal reactions from some of our older students. I mean, these things happen, right? Mm -hmm. So what do you do? Well, you've made a plan and be willing prayerfully to ask God, okay, obviously you knew this was all going to happen. So what do you do? So be prepared for those things because part of, we talked earlier about providence of God. Well, that's an attribute of God that we can mimic in a sense of being providential. So, you know, if something happens where you have to go take care of something, there's a video to put on for the younger ones. But you know what I like to think for the, we need to call a plumber. If you've been training your children, then you can say to an older child, okay, get on the phone, look up Yelp, do whatever, get us a plumber. And then when the person comes out to do it, have your older kids watch him. I always encourage, let's watch the guy fix the pipe. Well, there's two things that you can gain from that. One, you can see how somebody fixes the pipe. And maybe next time, if you've got a handy kid, he can fix the pipe. 
All right. right. But also it gives them a chance to see what kind of things people do to make a living. And so who's to say that that's not more educational than getting through those five pages in your math book? You're right. That reminds me, um, when I was homeschooling, my uh, son, he was really ha handy kind of guy, and um, but not so much of a reader. He learned how to read, but one of the things that we had on the side, I kept a notebook, and we called it um, Home Repair and Improvement. And whenever any of those kind of things happened, we would just make a note of it and keep track of the hours and and so it became part of, we we learned to document that as part of his 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 school and in preparation for for life yeah maybe that's how mike rose started with his dirty jobs who knows, who knows? <laughs> okay yeah. so so I'm going to answer that other question that you brought up, but I'm going to bring up this book, Good Morning Friends, Volume 3. I mentioned it last week. I'm mentioning it again. Why I'm mentioning it again is that not the entire book, but 19 chapters of this book is all about how to pray. And I just recently went through it with my husband as our morning devotions. And, you know, you get to a point where you think there's nothing new I can learn I've been doing this for a long time. Well, we were so blessed by it that we both made a decision, even though we usually go on to other books for our devotions and such. He's like, can we do this again? And I said, well, we'll come back to it, but we're not going to do it again immediately, but it's that good. And so I would highly recommend Good Morning Friends, Volume 3. The whole series is excellent, but this one in particular, in terms of this sequential look at prayer, and he's going through the Lord's Prayer. Oh, okay. Now, yeah. Now you mentioned the sinner's prayer. Mm -hmm. Well, Hank, before and, you go, I want to. Yeah. I really want to folks to know that those little, um, those little books are really great. The the pages, the chapters are just like one or two pages. Even your kids can read them. Yeah, I know some people who do it before meals. That's what they do. They read it before meals. So they do it for their family devotions. And Rajduni was great. He he knew that the modern attention span was not like the Puritan attention span. The Puritans could listen to three hour sermons and then regurgitate it back in terms of, well, what did we, what did the pastor talk about? Um, that's not today. Um, but he, so, but it's very potent and there's a lot contained in them, but you talked okay. about the sinner's prayer. And I imagine right. you're not saying that there's a passage in scripture like the Lord's prayer for the sinner's prayer. I think you're talking about what has come to be known as how someone becomes a Christian. Right. You okay. know, um, in evangelical churches, they have like the, you know, the, the little prayer card and you pray this prayer. And after that, you know, you become, if you right. that, you're saved and you get to be joined the church. So, and they, they call that the sinner's prayer. You invite people right. to say the sinner's prayer. Okay. So, um, Every prayer that we pray while we're alive is a sinner's prayer. Okay. <laughs> we're not fully sanctified. So when the man said to Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief, that was a sinner's prayer. He knew that there were areas of his life he didn't fully, he wasn't fully on board and he wanted to be. Mm -hmm. But the problem with the sinner's prayer goes back to the passage and I will repeat it again. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. So maybe, just maybe, 
and it's really more than a maybe, what should be happening is the law is taught, God's requirements are taught, we understand sin, that means doing things we shouldn't do and failing to do things we should do. And then God is the one who stirs our heart and, and we say, I don't want to be disobedient. Now, first of all, it doesn't come from us. It doesn't mm -hmm. come from us. It comes from God, right? Mm -hmm. But then the truly repentant person coming to God in prayer has confidence and should have confidence that God hears him because we must approach God on his terms. That's why the very first lines of the Lord's prayer is, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's the law. Yes. And, and, and unfortunately, in too many of the churches you've described, more mm -hmm. people know the sinner's prayer and they don't hear the Lord's prayer because mm -hmm. the idea of God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven, then we have to go into some territory that people might think we're legalistic or hateful. Yeah. 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 Well, I know that we have listeners that, you know, that, that come to these conversations from those kind of backgrounds. And mm -hmm. so I think that we really need to be, be, um, to really be careful and, um, and properly learn to um, present God's word in his truth because, because otherwise we're not loving God. We're preaching a false gospel and we don't want to be guilty of that. So this is very important for us to know and to take the time in our families to re to re-educate ourselves and to develop our own biblical thinking and not just not just settle for those church traditions that we talked about before, you know, like like the beads or the candles or stand up or sit down or or whatever, but to really know what, what God's word right. says so that we're not praying or teaching our children contrary to that. Exactly, exactly. So as usual, I suppose we could talk for hours on this subject. I hope we uh, whetted the appetite of people to realize that um, it may be more important to approach homeschooling foundationally before you get all worked up about having all the right materials, that the right materials are things that will be God directed. If you truly say this homeschooling activity is part of my being obedient to seeking the kingdom of God and his justice and his righteousness and knowing that everything else, all the particulars that we've talked about will come. Yes. Amen. Well, thank okay. you, friend. Um, all right. It's been a pleasure. Next right. week. Next week. Next week, we're going to talk about the controversial word post-millennialism. We're going to talk about a foundational principle of the curriculum is this thing called post-millennialism. And if you don't know what that it is, well, then join us next week. Next week. I can't wait. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining Andrea Schwartz and the Kingdom Driven Family Podcast. Holding up the family and self-government as a true and lasting means of transforming society. Please visit thekingdomdrivenfamily.com and reconstructionistradio.com.